Good morning. My name is Ryan Schreckengast. I'm one of the preachers here at GFC. This morning, when you think about Christianity, or really any religion, do you tend to think of a series of rituals? How is prayer handled? Are there special practices that are done regularly? What do you do in a worship service? Worship in this kind of mindset is predominantly about what you do, isn't it? And you could consider those same things about our worship together here at GFC. What do we do on any given Sunday? Well, you've experienced some of it already. We stand sometimes, we sit sometimes, we sing, we read scripture. At the end after this message, we will fellowship, we will discuss what we've heard together in small groups, and once a month, we share communion. That's what we do. But I hope this morning that we can shift how we think about our worship. I hope and I pray that all of the things that we do here to worship the Lord are inextricably rooted to a who. That's the person of Jesus Christ. Because we're going to learn today that acceptable worship before the Lord is what you do according to who God is through the person of Jesus. Jesus himself is our system of worship. And so the only acceptable worship of God must be through him. That's where we're going in the book of Hebrews this morning, where the book of Hebrews concludes and where I hope we shift our understanding to as we finish Hebrews 13 this morning, which is on page 949, if you have one of the church Bibles from the lobby. This is what we will see this morning, that worship is what you do according to who God is when it is brought through Jesus by his grace. So today, let's start by considering that motivation of our worship. And I actually want to start back in chapter 12, verse 28, so that we have some context for chapter 13. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship. With reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. And those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For 
God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Friends, look at how the author of Hebrews redefines for us what is acceptable worship. He gives four examples of the acceptable worship that he mentioned in chapter 12, verse 28. And he shows how all of these acceptable forms of worship stem from what we believe about who God is. First in verse 2, he says to let brotherly love continue. That is, love within the community of believers. And he also says not to neglect hospitality to strangers, which is everyone outside of that community. But look at why he says this. Why does he say to do this? Because God is active in ways that we do not know. This brotherly love and hospitality is not rooted in just a general goodness for your fellow man. Or even some sort of religious or or social obligation to be kind. No, it's rooted in the real active service to God in ways that we cannot know. This is acceptable worship. The second command is in verse 3. Remember the mistreated and those who are in prison with compassion. Why? Because they and you are one body in Christ Jesus. Again, this is not merely a humanitarian issue. It is fully dependent on what you believe to be true about the unifying work of God. This is acceptable worship. Third, let the marriage be, let marriage be held in honor and do not defile sexual holiness in verse four. Why? Because God will judge the sexually immoral. Friends, this aspect of life becomes a form of worship before God when you believe that even your most personal and intimate acts are subject to the rule and the authority of God the Father. This is acceptable worship. And lastly, the fourth example of acceptable worship that we are given here is in verse 5. Keep your life free of the love of money 
and be content. Why? Because you know that God himself cares for your well-being. He cares. He is the one who provides for all of your needs. This is acceptable worship. Do you see, friends? What you do becomes worship when it is based on who God is. So, are we worshiping God here this morning? Does showing up on a Sunday and singing songs or listening to this sermon mean that you are offering acceptable worship to God? I certainly hope so. But it depends on what you believe about Him. Do you believe that God is active? Do you believe that He's made a way for you to unite with one another and with Him? Do you believe that He has the authority over every aspect of your life? Do you believe that He will care for you and give you what you need? Friends, this morning, if you believe that, then yes. Singing songs that we sang this morning to the glory and the praise of God. That is worship. Because of what you believe about who God is. And then it won't stop this morning with singing songs or listening to this sermon. That will change every moment of your life. What you do with your money becomes worship. What you do with your time becomes worship. And how you speak and build up your spouse becomes worship before God Almighty. What would a world be like where we did not neglect hospitality? Where we had compassion for the needy and true unity? Where the most intimate relationship that we can have with another person is revered and honored and set apart. Where money is not God, but it serves God. But friends, it is not possible to simply do more of those things apart from recognizing the who that it is done in worship of. That's why simple social programs or, or surface level niceties or cultural expectation constantly fall short. Because what you believe about God is what makes everything that you do into worship that is acceptable to him. But what about the corporate nature of worship? 
It's no coincidence that one of the expressions of worship that we have here at GFC is one where we come together. Friends, if you believe that God is worthy of praise and worship and you do so by obeying what he has said in scripture, then you cannot avoid the fact that praise is not only personal, but it is very, very corporate. We worship God by coming together to live as one body in Christ. And so here too, God redefines for us the corporate sacrifice of praise. The author of Hebrews makes his second point in verses 7 through 17 this morning. That Jesus is the system of worship through which we corporately praise our God. Let's read verses 7 through 17 together. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those who are devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. We see in these verses that Jesus becomes the entire system of national sacrifice established by God 
for his people. Verse 8 anchors the focus of this system of worship in Jesus. If Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever, then that means that the sacrificial system that was set up by God is fulfilled in Jesus. And that's exactly what the author outlines here. In verse 10, Jesus is the superior altar. But apart from Jesus, those who serve the tent, that is the tabernacle, are not authorized to take part separate from him. In verse 11 and 12, Jesus is the superior sacrifice. Friends, his blood is brought before the throne of God as a means to sanctify his people from their sin. And in verses 13 through 14, Jesus gives access to a superior holy city, a place to come to offer the worship that you bring to God where he dwells with his people. Friends, what the author is describing in these verses is the entire Jewish system of worship to Yahweh. The altar, the sacrifice, the holy city. Jesus is the system through which we bring acceptable worship to God. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so that is why Jesus said in John 2, when he was standing in that temple in Jerusalem, he said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And you will raise it up in three days? Yes. Friends, Jesus is that temple. He is the altar and the sacrifice and the high priest. Friends, Jesus is all of it. And so what is the author's application? If Jesus is all of those things, then how do we carry on bringing offerings of praise to Yahweh? We can't continue sacrificing animals at the temple in Jerusalem. The temple was destroyed. It's gone. But if... Jesus is the system of worship, then our sacrifice must look different as well. Verses 15 and 16 lay out the reasoning. Through him then, let us continually offer up sacrifices of praise to God. What is that sacrifice of praise? The text tells us. 
It is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Okay, well, what is that fruit that is offered by those lips? Again, the text tells us doing good and sharing what you have. Friends, these are the sacrifices that are pleasing to God. But remember, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means that these have always been the sacrifices that were pleasing to God. So here's an example from the Old Testament. King David wrote in Psalm 53, after he had sinned with Bathsheba, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So friends, David recognizes that God is the only source of his salvation. And so what does he do? He makes a sacrifice of praise through a heart of repentance. That repentance is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge the name of God. And what a gift it is that God has given us David as a picture to see how this system of worship works. We can see the faith of David and we can imitate it. But God has not only given us David, but he has given us contemporary leaders within the church that we can see and we can imitate as well. This section began in verse 7 and it concludes in verse 17 with the admonition to us to remember the faith of our church leaders. To imitate, obey, and submit to them. Why? Not because they are perfect, but because God is perfect. Our submission to them becomes acceptable worship to God because of what we believe about Him. Friends, Jesus is our good shepherd. And so He gives us His under-shepherds to care for us, 
to pastor us under the account of God. To joyfully lead us in the life of worship that is found only in Jesus Christ. How does all of this apply? First, recognize that yesterday, today, and forever, the acceptable sacrifice before God is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. That means that everything that you do must be rooted in a heart that glorifies who? God. And without Jesus, it is impossible to be united with him. So that means before anything else this morning, consider what you believe about Jesus. Is he the God of your salvation? Does his blood cover your sin? If not, then no amount of good deeds or heartfelt prayers or gifts will ever be an acceptable sacrifice to God. That is not what God desires. Any more than he desires the blood of doves or lambs or bulls. Friends, this morning, bring your heart contrite and your pride humbled before the king. And only then can your deeds become acceptable sacrifices before God. But then, if your lips acknowledge the name of Jesus, then this morning I commend you to bear fruit. Bear fruit, friends. Do good. Share what you have. And I actually love how broad that is. I could try to make it more specific, give you some practical ideas. But honestly, I think it's so broad on purpose. Because through Jesus, friends, just about anything that you do can be praise. So do good. That's it. No elaborate series of rituals. No bloody sacrifices. Jesus already did all of that. He fulfilled every demand of the law. And so now, through him, whatever you do that is good in his name comes as praise before the Lord. But okay, I will get a little bit practical. (laughs) I guarantee you that this week there will be something every single day that you can do as a sacrifice of praise before the Lord. And when you find that, first do it, then write it down. Write down what you did And think about 
and write down what you believe about God and who he is that drives what you did. Write those two things down. And then at the end of the week, I want you to send that list to your shepherding elder if you are a member here at GFC. Or if you're not a member, to another church leader. Or if you're a child, to your parents. Send them an email outlining how you have worshipped God this week because of what you believe to be true about him. Because I know that that will bring great joy and not groaning to the hearts of your elders. When their inbox is flooded with praise this week before God Almighty, they will rejoice. Because they are praying for you, friends. Your elders are praying for you. And I encourage you to pray also for them. That is how the author of Hebrews concludes his message with his third point. By giving one last example of how this acceptable worship before God works. He gives an entreaty to pray. And he gives a prayer for you. Pray for us. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience. Desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this. In order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly that you should know that our brother Timothy, or you should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints, those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace. Be with all of you. Friends, prayer is worship before God because of grace. Acceptable worship is what you do according to who God is through Jesus. So pray.
In verses 18 and 19, the author asks his audience to pray for him that they might be united together quickly. And then he gives us this prayer that he prays for them, asking God to direct and equip those people to do God's will. What is that will? Again, in verse 21, he tells us exactly what we know God's will to be. Whatever is pleasing in his sight through Christ. Have you wondered what God's will is? That's it, friends. Whatever is pleasing in God's sight through Jesus. Just as God provided the animals for his people to sacrifice as praise in his temple, God will provide the opportunity to experience Christ both to you personally and corporately. And so in these final verses, verse 25, he tells us how that can be. Grace be with all of you. Friends, it's about grace. The system of worship in the Old Testament showed us our devastating need for God's grace. We desperately need a God who is willing to send his own son to be the sacrifice for our sins. The blood that could unite us with him. Not because of our merit, but because of grace. Because of grace, Jesus Christ is your sacrifice. Because of grace, Jesus Christ is your high priest. And he ministers on your behalf in heaven before a better altar. Because of grace, Jesus is the king of kings who has all authority in heaven and on earth. Because of grace, Jesus is your system of worship whereby we can bring acceptable sacrifices of praise before God Almighty. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that? Then praise God. Go. Do good. And share what you have. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the book of Hebrews. We thank you for the revelation that you are superior. That Jesus is the superior king, the superior high priest, the superior sacrifice, and the superior system of worship, God. Jesus is the superior gift. He's the, he's the better 
gift, God, that you give us. God, thank you for Jesus, for the inheritance of Jesus. We pray that you would show us this week the sacrifices of praise that we can bring. God, I pray for for miraculous opportunities of doing good this week. Lord, just as you provided the lamb as the sacrifice, unexpected, unlooked for, God, that you would give us opportunities to do good and that we would glorify your name this week, Father. We come through the person of Jesus to your throne and we give everything that we do as praise and offering to you. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen.